are the best jokes ever. Dad jokes, right? We love that. Today's Dad's Day, not Father's Day. It's Dad's Day. 24 hours, not just lunch. And please do not go home and say, Dad, we want you to grill today. What? Why do dads have to grill on Father's Day? I'm telling you what, I'm a little upset with Dad's Day versus Mother's Day. So I've got some things here to give you an illustration. Mother's Day versus Father's Day. You ready for this? Proverbs 31, 10 through 12 says this about moms. A wife of noble character, who can find? <clears throat> she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband is full of confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Verses 16 through 18. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable. And her lamp does not go out at night. So she never sleeps. Okay. Proverbs 20 through 31, she opens her arms to the poor, extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, oh my goodness, can we get a break here? When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes her bed, coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband's respected at the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instructions on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Come on, seriously. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women do many things, but you surpass them all. Charm and deceptive is beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor for all her that, that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This is Mother's Day. Come on. Come on. Okay, Father's Day. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers. Do not exasperate your children. <laughs> Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. That's what we get. That's all we get. It's like, come on. So I have searched the word of God far and near, high and low. And today is Father's Day. It's Man Day. It is Dad's Day. You call him the master of the universe. He is the head of the household. Do I need to keep going? Because I can start preaching here in just a minute. So I'm thinking that dads get kind of the short end of the stick when it comes to Mother's Day versus Father's Day. So today's Dad's Day. So we're going to do it different. So today... Uh, I have invited a world-renowned, not kidding you, world-renowned professional hunting guide to PCA Church today. So I want you to give him a big PCA welcome to Mr. John Meyer. Give him a big welcome. Come on. Okay, let me get him a microphone. Uh, we'll turn this one on over here. It says, this one says pastor on it. That's a good microphone, man. Can you, can you hold it? I don't know if you can or not, man. So today, I've asked uh, John Meyer to come in. He is a professional hunting guide. He does professional guiding for hunts uh, all over the place. John, what kind of hunts have you done for what kind of animals? 
Um, anything from white-tailed deer, turkey, upland game, uh, antelope, multiple different species. Okay, upland game, what is that for the uh, ladies in the house? Pheasants, quail, chuckers, uh, different species of Hungarian partridge, stuff like that. Because so. all the men knew exactly what upland game was, and so the women are like, what? So we're going to make sure all the ladies know what we're talking about today because today we're going to be speaking in man language. So we need, may need interpretation for some of the ladies at times. But John is a wonderful guy, does this professionally. Can you imagine, guys, having a job where you get paid to go hunting? Well, isn't that awesome? Where you get paid to take other guys out on fun trips all over the place. Uh, you've done a lot of hunting here in Oklahoma. Yes, sir. You've done some hunting in some other states. Yep. Man, this guy has the dream job. So when I stop being a pastor... I'm just going to become a professional hunting guy. We'll hang out. Because, we'll yeah, we just, I don't think there's any qualifications or anything, is there? Just lots of hours. <laughs> just lots of hours. Well, today, this guy is also, uh, he does lectures at the Oklahoma Self Bow uh, Organization. And so today, he's going to show us a skill that has been long forgotten in our culture. Because today in our culture, everything is mass manufactured. It has machines doing everything. And we want stuff fast, right? We just go to the store and buy it. Well, today we're going to talk about something that um, is not something you go to the store and buy. As a matter of fact, John, who, who, who got you started into this craft? Um, my dad got me started. Some good okay. uh, close family friends of ours. And um, dad had kind of taken an interest in it. I've kind of got into it too, and saw your dad buddies. doing something. Yeah, and it's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Plus, he, it's he helped me build my first one. So. And it's helped time to spend with dad. It, it was, yeah, because it it's Father's Day, and it's awesome. Yeah, and so today we're going to talk about how to make a long bow. How many of you know what a long bow is? A long bow is what this country was was founded upon and used to get all of our food, uh, to get everything that sustained us, and so. You, you go out into the land and you, you yourself, you begin to look at what it takes to get a weapon and you make it yourself. And so, John, today, uh, this is what you kind of look at. Good grief. It's all there. I thought it was fake. <laughs> it's a real deal, man. This is solid. What kind of wood is this? That's uh, actually hedge or bodark, Osage orange. It has lots of different names. Okay. Osage orange, bodark, or what was first? Hedge. Hedge. So this is about the size of a trunk of a tree that you're looking for when you're going out and you want to make your own long bow. That's correct? Yes, sir. And so you're looking for this. And what kind of tree are you looking for besides the size, the girth of the um, tree trunk? You want straight bark. You want something that doesn't have a lot of branches, very few imperfections for at least the first 60 to 70 inches. Okay. If you have room for play. So in Oklahoma... I have seen trees leaning to the north quite a bit. Is that the kind of tree you want to start out your bow with? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Why not? You, you really want something that's it, it's going to stand out. It's going to be its own, its own thing, and you're going to kind of know when you see it, but it's, it's all about the grain. You want something that is straight as straight can be. Okay. And so you, you find your tree. You cut it down. It's ready to go. And then you have some tools to work with. You got chainsaws and things like that, right? No. Well, 
We cut the tree with the chainsaw. <laughs> okay. Everything else is done by hand. That's it, right? Because yeah. everything else is by hand. I want you guys to get this. And so what kind of uh, tools do you have here today? We have draw knives. That's your best friend when it comes to doing all this. Lots, lots of hours with a draw knife. Scrapers for all your fine tuning. Um, rasps and sandpaper. That's okay. about what you have to work with. All right, and so we've we've got a what kind of wood is this? Uh, that is actually mulberry. This is mulberry, and so you'd look at this and go, that would be a good candidate. It, it is. It's All a right. very strong, dense wood. Uh, this one is Osage orange. Uh huh. Got a got a few imperfections in it, but uh, you see something I don't see. You see a bow, right? Yes. I don't see a bow. There's. I there's see lots firewood. Of hours and and heat and I mean there's there's a lot of things that, that go into making one, but. Yeah, I, I see a bow when I look at that. Okay, so I'm going to get a draw knife here, and I'm by the you time this message is time. over, you don't have enough time. I'm going to have a long bow. So, no, how many hours goes into going from this to this to this to something like this? Start to finish, depending on who you're making it for, your specs and all that, you're about 50 hours in on average. 50 hours? Yeah. Nobody has 50 hours anymore. We don't have time to even say hi to each other anymore. So this is spending time with Dad, looking at each other. You know, it's okay. So you've got your draw knife. You've got, and so you take this and you start. And what are you looking for when you're looking at this piece of wood? What are you looking at? Because I don't see you're it. Looking at your growth rings on the end, so you can see them a little better on here. I don't know how the lighting is, but you can see growth rings in in the piece of wood itself. So. And, you, and you what ring do you at, start at? Huh? What ring do you start at? You, you want a good wide ring that runs okay. the whole width of the bow. And you take that draw knife and you chase that ring all the way down the length of the bow. Because okay. if, you, if you mess up that ring, your bow will break. Okay, so it's important when you start with the growth of the tree. That's yes. very important, okay? Yes. And so you start with the growth ring. You start drawing this thing down by hand, hours upon hours yes. upon hours. And something begins to take shape, maybe something like this. Yeah, that's that's a kid's bow, but that's that's one growth ring all the way down, and okay. uh, that's actually made out of hackberry. But uh, that's kind of roughed out. That's had the rasp on it and everything else. That's so when you find the shape. growth ring, where is it at on this bow? It is right here on the on the back, the, on the back of it. Yep. So you go down that one growth ring, and then the rest of it can be different. Okay. It's whatever is facing your target. That's the growth ring. And so. Like you said, this was a kid's bow. Mm -hmm. So this would not be one you'd make for me. No. What would, how, would, how would you determine that? Um, it's measured from your draw length, uh, what you're going to be using the bow for, all that kind of, all, all those so, different things vary in, but it's, it's measured from your draw length from the center of your chest to your longest finger. Okay. That's your draw length. So but probably no you, bows are the same then. Exactly. And each bow is made for that person. So if I make a bow for you, I'm probably not going to be able to shoot it because if I shoot it, I can break it. Oh, you could break my bow. It depends on draw length and pressure and all that kind of stuff. All right. So you've got this bow. How does this, this one's different. That one is different, yes. Okay, how little, is it little different? different process. That's a form Can you see of the difference out there? That's a form of lamination. So that has bamboo, Osage orange, um, Duke, and uh, rosewood in it. Four different kinds of wood. Yes. That is beautiful. And the craftsmanship is incredible 
Okay, so you've got your boat now. Do you stain it and all that to make it like this? Yes and no. Uh, when you start out with like Osage Orange, that's my favorite. It makes makes the best and most stout boat. Okay. It's really really light. So like this. Like this. Maybe. That's light. that's too that's too light. That's okay. almost white. About the color of that handle is what it looks like typically. It's a real. It's an almost a golden color. And then just by being in the sun and everything else, it'll look like that. Wow! Just from being out in the sun. Yeah. It'll stain it to that. Now, this is your this is your bow. Yes, that's the first one I ever the made. Actually, first, this is your first bow. Yeah. How old were you? Um, I would have been fifteen. Fifteen, a fifteen-year-old boy who spends fifty-plus hours carving a bow. I had a lot of help from Dad on that one, though. You had a lot of help. Yeah, that's incredible. That is beautiful. The workmanship, the craftsmanship. I've had that one on a lot of adventures. We've You've, have you killed anything with this? Oh, yeah. What have you killed with it? Um, I killed an antelope with it in northeastern Colorado. I've killed 25 to 30 deer with it, wow. turkeys, all kinds of stuff. Wow. Then what about these arrows? Um, those are made down here. I'll raise mine. Absolutely. I don't want to break his arrow because, you know, ugh. So muscular. So what did you just do? You just I just braced the bow. Braced the bow, okay, to do what? To string so, it? Yeah, that's just that's just to string it. There's okay. a lot of different ways you can do it. I do it off my foot. It's a little faster. But uh, each one of these arrows are handmade. Um, I actually, I do order the shafts, but then I have to turn the shafts, wear them down the way I want, what size I want, all that. So these are actually made out of Douglas fir. Douglas fir. And you have what kind of tips on these? Um, these are actually what they call trade points. Trade points, okay. It's just a standard two-blade broadhead is what it is. Okay. Okay. Get this back. It's a standard two-blade broadhead, okay. And so you killed stuff with that arrow. It's gone through flesh. With that arrow. With that arrow, okay. <laughs> Not this one. Okay, now this arrow is totally different. Here we go. Is this, this is a little more old school. This is a this is a hand carved ash arrow, flint napped arrowhead. Everything's laced with sinew, dyed with uh, pine pitch, different things like that. Fletchings are they're an afterthought, but normally they're all done with turkey wings, stuff like that. This is flint. What? Uh, that's just a flint nap broadhead. That's actually more of like a, uh, a plainsman style broadhead, is what that is. Plains Indian style flint nap broadhead. Yes, sir. Man. I'm learning new words today. How about you guys? This is incredible craftsmanship to think you could take a flint piece of rock, take the time, find you a straight enough stick, get this out of all of that, and then have a weapon to kill something. Yeah. And then you take that and you eat it. Isn't that amazing? It's a process. process. Very rewarding, though. Very rewarding. And then what, what kind of uh, arrow... Is this called a sheath? What's this called? Quiver. Quiver. Why didn't I know that? I read the Bible. It's a quiver. What That's is this made, made out, out of? Coyote hide. Coyote. Did you kill this coyote? I did. Wow. It's beautiful. So after church, John will be wherever this stuff is. Get his permission to pick it up because this is very priceless stuff, I would assume, to I've, you. I've got a little sentimental value in my Get a little bit of value in it. So if you wanted to come along and say, hey, John, I'd like to buy this first bow from you, I'd give you a hundred bucks. What do you think? I got a hundred on me right here. No. No, okay. 
Nice try. Nice try. Okay. After church, I'll give you 50 because $100 was like a one-time deal. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll negotiate. All right. All right. Well, let's give it up for John Meyer, professional hunting guide. God bless you, buddy. Thank you, man. Because uh, we learned a lot of stuff here today because he has talked about something that I want to talk to all of the fathers about today because I found something in the Word of God just for men. Not don't exasperate your children. You know, I'm tired of going to Father's Day and all the dads getting beat up. Don't do this and don't do that. And if you do this and then don't do this. And so today's Dad's Day. And we have weapons in the church. Today is all about dads. There's all kinds of fathers here today. There are those who are single fathers, divorced fathers, stepfathers, multiracial fathers, fatherhood of all kinds in our church today. And there's fatherhood having all kinds of challenges in our world today, as well as celebrations. We have some fathers in our church that have just become fathers. Fathers in our church who have teenagers. Oh, all of us said, oh. Fathers who have grown children. Fathers who are grandfathers and great-grandfathers. And we have some great-great-grandfathers in the church. So I found the scripture in Psalm 127 verses 3 and 4. It says this, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. We need to understand today, dads, our children are our heritage. They will carry from one generation to the next what we spend time placing in their lives. With this longbow, this is not just something you go buy at the store. I need a quick fix for fatherhood. There's no quick fix. I need to get this done in like three minutes a week. Not going to happen. I've had, I've had parents, both mothers and fathers, tell me this. Well, we just want to spend quality time together. I have found as a father, quality time shows up in the middle of quantity time. You spend a lot of time together, and then right in the middle of all that, boom, something happens that's quality, and you remember it for the rest of your life. But you can't have just that moment. It takes time. I have often looked at my children and thanked God for my children. They're my heritage. But today, because it's Dad's Day, I realize that my kids should also look at me and thank God for their father. So all of you that have a dad today, you need to say, wait a minute. It's not about uh, my dad looking and going, oh, I'm so glad for my kids. I'm so No, it's time for the kids to rise up and go, we are so thankful for our father today. Because children are like the arrows in the hands of a warrior. Men, we are warriors. It is built into our DNA to be providers. It is built into our DNA. If we go back generations enough, 
and I've asked permission, but if we go back generations enough, we will find our forefathers who've taken the time to go out to find the right tree, see something in it that no one else sees, and take the time to shape something out of that that now becomes a way to provide for your family. That's what built into man. We are providers. We are hunters. We are gatherers. We are warriors. And our children are like arrows in our hands. We have to be able today, dads, to accept the challenge of being a good father, whether you have small children, teenagers, grown children, you're a father, grandfather, great-great-grandfather, whatever it is. You cannot do anything greater than spend time with those kids and spend time and take that draw knife and begin to draw some of the rough off of their life because all of our children are born in a very rough stage. They are born looking like this. And guess what? I found this out in research. All children... The first few minutes after birth, they look like their father. I did not know that. Yeah. So if you look at your kid and go, oh, hey, they're your heritage, right? But they are in a sin state. They are in rough mode. It is father's role. And this is our privilege, not our have to. Our privilege that we get to spend Time with our children, shaping their lives in the way so that when we begin to get them ready, they are arrows in our hand. We've got to look at the growth rings and, and as they grow, begin to shave some of the things off. Listen, I treated my kids differently when they were one and two than what I did when they were 13 and 14 and 15. Now they're grown. I treat them different, but I'm still their father. You know what I find with a, even with adult children? Adult children still want to know that their father loves them. Every one of us today crave our fathers to love on us. If you had a bad father, you know what I'm talking about. In your heart of hearts, you want your dad's approval. You want your dad's affection. You want your dad to put his arm around you, look you in the eye, and say, I love you. I love you. I'm so proud of you. If you did not have that kind of father, I am so sorry. Because we all crave that kind of attention. We've got to make sure that our kids' lives are shaped in the right direction. In order for them to become an arrow, this takes a lot of time. You've got to make sure they're what? Straight. You've got to make sure they're straight. Listen, we, we've got a lot of things today that are going to get your kids' lives going in the wrong direction and get them all crooked and backwards. And I have found out something. Here's something else I learned. In Oklahoma, there's a lot of wind, and when you go out to find this Osage orange wood that you're looking for, you do not want a tree that's been twisted by the wind because you cannot make a long bow out of a trunk that's been twisted by the wind. 
Today, if we're, if we're trying to get our lives straightened out and our kids' lives straightened out, we, we cannot have twisted mentality when it comes to leading our children. we got to get our thinking straight first. Get our lives straightened out. Look at this and go, I see something in there. I see something in my kid. Other people may look at your kid and see an a, a unruly, undisciplined, I mean, whatever kid, that snotty nose or whatever. But when you look at your kid, there's something different. That's mine. That's my heritage. Those are my kids. And on Mother's Day, we know we talk about mama bear. Okay, well, mama bear can get killed by dad because we are warriors. You mamas are bad dudes, okay? I give you that. I never want to mess with a mama. Mm -mm. I have almost been between a mama bear and her babies. I do not ever want to be there. I would definitely not want to be there, uh, John, with a long bow and an arrow like this. No way, baby. But dads, we're warriors. We defend our families. We stand up and say, hey, nothing's coming against my wife. Nothing's coming against my kids because that's what God built inside of every man to be a protector to be a warrior. Our children have to be able to live life in a straight way. These bows, dads, listen to me. These bows, everyone is different because every father is a different height and a different build and has different lengths of arm. Everybody's different. I have had fathers for years tell me, Pastor, just tell me what to do and I'll do it, and that'll make me a good father. Other than the Word of God, I don't have an answer for you. You know why? Because in order to get a longbow that's built just for you, it's going to be different than for anybody else. And if somebody else tries to pull your longbow, guess what? It's going to snap. So if you try to do what another father is doing, it's not going to work for you. It's going to break. What you have to do, dads, is you have to spend some time alone with God, spend some time with your kids, and figure out what fatherhood is for you. It's all different for every one of us. Uh, people say, well, tell me what kind of discipline. You don't want to know what kind of discipline I had. I was pretty strong. Yeah, we had this circle that we drew. My kids are already cringing. They're here today. We had a circle that we drew. And I told my kids, everything inside this circle you can do and you will be a prince or a princess. That's what happened. Man, dad will lavish his love on you. But if you choose, you choose to go outside the circle and do some of these activities, you go from prince and princess to prisoner. Your choice, but this is my house. And I want you to grow up thinking straight. I want you to grow up to live straight. I want you to grow up so that when I, as a warrior, place you in my hands, you hit the mark that God has for your life. We've got to understand, if you begin to bend that bow, it's going to bend and have flex to it. So dads, don't be so rigid. Don't bend a little bit. Have some fun. Now, when we went on vacation, man, I had everything planned out to the second. Anybody like that here? You plan it, you plan it. Oh, yeah, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. All of you that have the days planned to the minute, to the second, man, I love you. You got charts. You got things color-coded. We go to Walt Disney World. We're going to this land. We'll do that for this many minutes and hours. We're riding this, 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 and this. We're going to go to this land, and we're going to get it all done. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Others of you are going like, no, I got to bend a little bit more than that. I got to flex a little. So some of you are going to have a lot of flex. I'm not going to have a whole lot of flex, but I'll flex a little bit because I love fun. I love having fun. And you know what has fun? Spending time with your wife, spending time with your kids because you can buy them. You can go out and buy all you want, quick fixes, Get them some more video gaming. Get them some more iPads. Get them some more uh, money to spend on buying stuff on those iPads. Get them to another level. Do all the stuff you want to do. But I'm telling you, they will not remember that. What they will remember is the time you spent playing with them. As soon as my grandkids come in my house, you know what they do? Let's play, Poppy! Yeah. From the time they get there to the line. Why? Because that's what this Poppy does. I play with them. On these bows, I, I was talking with John earlier, and, and the last process is you put a little oil on these long bows. Put some bare grease, things like that. Why? So it stays supple and bends and maintains integrity. Me and today, we, we've got to have the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit applied to our lives so that we maintain integrity. Integrity in the workplace, integrity in our, our marketplaces, integrity in our spiritual lives, our secular lives, whatever it may be. We've got to maintain that. We've got to have integrity. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit. Why? So you don't break when you get stressed out. If your kids see you breaking, guess what they're going to do? They're going to break. But if they see you bending and flexing, they're going to learn from you. You're going to spend some time with that draw knife, drawing up how they should live and react to pressures and stress in life. Your father should listen, and you should listen to your father. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Dads, our day to day, we get to lay foundation, stone upon stone, Christ Jesus first. I wanted my kids to know more than anything else. I wanted them to know Jesus Christ. I want them to know Him because if they know Him, that sure helps me out with a lot of the other stuff. And I wanted them to know the Word, but guess what? You can't know the Word with one minute a month. You can't know the Word with one minute a week. you got to know the Word because you spend some time saying, hey, let's memorize the Word of God together. This is going to be fun. Yeah. How can you make memorizing the Word of God fun? There's a lot of ways. If you can't make the Word of God fun, something's wrong with you, man. There's some awesome stories in the Word of God for girls and for boys. And man, you read them, you act them out, you play them out in the living room, get in the backyard, do all kinds of stuff, man. It's awesome. But we lay the foundation, and the Word of God says this, Isaiah 28.10, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Redundancy over and over and over. Fifty plus hours of drawing that knife, just a little at a time, right, John? You don't go in there and make, one, well, I'm done with the backside of that bow, now let's start working on the front. No, it's just a little, just a little. Just a little bit every time you spend some time with your kids. Just a little bit. Just do something small that will take and make a difference in the future. Line up on line, precept upon precept. Make this a process. You start with the back of this bow, right? You don't start with the front. A lot of times we want to talk about what, what everybody else thinks about our family. 
No, we got to start with all the things that people don't see about our families. Well, we just make sure the kids don't destroy the restaurant so we can go out and eat. No, no, no. You take those children and you begin to train them at home how to act right. Then you go out in public. You don't have an issue. Yeah. You know why? Because they understand. They have been trained. They have been drawn in the right way. They should react to the world that they're living in. We've got to do this, dads. Matthew 3, 16 and 17 says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I said it earlier, God reinforces it. What does every man and woman ever born want? Their father to declare that he loves them and that he is pleased with them. Yeah. We've got to, dads, let our kids know. Listen, I, I, I don't buy into this whole persona that a man's got to be a man and a man's got to be tough and a man never shows emotion. That, that's what a man is. Bah humbug. A man is somebody who will take his child and hold them and hug them tight. A man is somebody who will cry with his kids, who will laugh with his kids, who will go through life with his kids. Why? Because I want my kids to know. They're grown adults today, and when I see both of them, no matter where it is, the first thing they're going to do, they're going to come give me a hug and a kiss. It doesn't matter where we're at. They're not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Some people may go, well, that's odd. That's a little weird. It shouldn't be. It should be the norm. Why? Because they know their father loves them and I have announced to the world I am pleased with them. Now, do they always do everything I think they should do? Absolutely not. That's not what... Every time, John, every time you shot this bow and arrow, did it kill what you were aiming at every time? No, it did not. Yeah. That's not the point. The point of this flint napping arrow is not the fact that, uh, you know what, it hits the target every time. The point is, he prepared it to take flight. That's the point. And sometime today in fatherhood and motherhood too, we think the point ought to be, our kids never act wrong. Our kids never do anything wrong. Well, good luck with that. Even as adults, good luck with that one. If that's how you're judging your fatherhood and your motherhood, you're going to get a zero, big fat F, fail. That's not the point. The point is, is to be like our father. He affirmed that he loved him. He announced that he declared he was not ashamed of him. He said, I'm well pleased with him. I want to ask you today, has your father ever affirmed that he loved you? Think about this. Everybody in this house, not just men. Has your father affirmed to you that he loves you? Has your father ever announced to other people, hey, this is my son, this is my daughter, I love them, I am well pleased with them. All of us still want that from our fathers. I've talked to grown women and they said, I would just love to crawl up in my dad's lap one more time. Doesn't matter how old they get. I just want to crawl up in my dad's lap and just have him hug me one more time. Doesn't matter. All of us still want to spend time I want to ask you today, was your father mean? If he was, I'm sorry. Was he authoritative, abusive, 
Maybe he was passive, not involved in all. Was your father legalistic? This is the way. Or was your father just waiting for you to fail? Yeah. A lot of times we have fathers like that. And if you had a father like that, I am so, so sorry. Because what happens is we take our earthly father perspective, personality, persona, and we then directly apply that to the heavenly father. Well, if, if he's a heavenly father, I don't want anything to do with him because I've already had a father and I don't want that again. And I got to tell you, your heavenly father is the opposite of all those things. There was a disciple, his name was John. John. And he was called the Beloved. Isn't that a wonderful name? I'm John, the Beloved. John, 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. We should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Today, our Heavenly Father wants to lavish all of His love on you. Why? You are His child. That's what you are. And John had to write that. And in the original language, he's basically shouting, That's what you are! Get it into your identity today. You are a child of the Most High God. You are men and women, sons and daughters of the Most High God. He's your Heavenly Father. He knows how to good give good gifts. He wants to spend time with you so He can help shape your life, shape your thinking, shape you with the oil of the Holy Spirit so you don't break and crack under the stress of life, but you... Flex and you bend, you spawn, and you are able to have a wonderful, abundant life in Christ. But it takes time. And I found in our society today, we don't have time for church, hardly. Nowadays, we want church to be like 30 minutes, 15 minutes. In, out, boom, boom. This is not a fast drive-through here. This is where you come in and you sit down at a table, and there's a tablecloth, and there's really nice silverware, and there's really nice glasses. How many of you ever been to a restaurant and you go, I don't know what to do with this many glasses? <laughs> I don't know what to do with all these forks. That's the way we come to the house of God. He has a table that is spread, and He wants you to spend time in His Word and with Him. Because when you do that, the Father will begin to take you from this. Ah. He'll start drawing that knife on you. Shaping the way you're thinking. Shaping the way you look. Aren't you glad about that? Man, I look different as a saved man than I would look if I was not saved. Man, thank God for His power, for cleaning me up, shaping me up. And then all of a sudden you begin to look like this. You're in the raw state. And then you begin to look like this. Something that is magnificent. This is a magnificent work of art. And there's only one like it. And this bow is for only one person to use. 
no one else. Just one. It's not made for me. I can't use it. If I were to take this bow and go out and try to kill a bear or a lion, oh my. In that moment, I would be killed. Because I'd go, well, I've seen John do this. And he told me that he's done it before. And so if I were to get one of these flint-napped arrows and put it in there and draw it back, it would snap, crackle, and pop. And that's what, in just a few seconds later, you would hear the bear doing to me. Snapping my bones and crackling my innards. Yeah. Why? Because this is not me. This is John. I didn't do this. John did. I can't take what he has done, pick it up and go, this will work for me. No. As fathers today, you have to do it yourself. Because guess what? Your children will not have another father. You. You're the warrior. You're the one that shapes. You're the one that takes it from the rough to the finished. You're the one that begins to look at the arrows and you see something in your kids, nobody else, and you begin to straighten them out. Take the time with the other rock, rock against rock, shaping this flint and into what is called an arrow head. So that when you place it in the bow, you draw it back. I remember the day when my kids were released. I remember the day with both of my kids. When I had done everything I had time to do. And I remember the day I put them in that. Bow, and they walked out of that house, and I released them into the world. God, help them to hit the mark. God, help them to fly straight. God, help them not to break apart. God, help them to remember all the times that I spent with them. All the times of the dad jokes. Yeah. Did you get your hair cut? No, I got all of them cut. Yeah. Hey, dad, you want to put on my shoes? No, they're not the right size. They won't fit me. Yeah. All the bad times when dad tried to dance in the house, and I don't do it for anybody else. You don't want that. You'll be scarred for life because it looks like I'm either having a seizure or I've grabbed onto a 220 volt. You don't want that. But for my kids, I would dance. For my kids. Yeah. Especially when they didn't want me to. Because <laughs> that's dad's gift that just keeps on giving. Yeah. And I do believe, dads, it is our role and responsibility to embarrass our children whenever possible. Yeah. That's your, that's your God-given right. In public, make them kiss you when they... Dad... Teenager, I love it when they were teenagers. Oh my goodness. Oh, I could just embarrass them both so bad when they were teenagers. Oh my. Dad, none of the other teenagers kissed their father. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> You're my kid, not theirs. But dad, nobody does that anymore. 
Well, guess what? Hardly anybody does this anymore either. We just want to go buy an arrow. Buy them by the dozen. And if you lose one, it doesn't matter. But John, I'll guarantee you, if you were to shoot this and you couldn't find it, you would spend a lot of time searching for this one. You're not going to just walk away and go, well, I lost another arrow. I'll just eh, go buy another one. And today, we are making families so disposable. We're losing kids to drugs and alcohol and everything else in this world. And we're just going, oh, well, we just lost another one. We're losing families out of the church left and right. Well, I just lost another one. And you may go, well, Pastor, my, my family's different. Listen, every one of these bows are different. And you know what? I love this bow right here. You know why? Because John told you and he told me there are four different kinds of wood that make up this bow. So today, if you have a blended family, yours probably looks more like this. Yeah. Stepfathers, blended families, all those things. You may go, but our family's so broken. Hey, then fix it. But how? Well, you're going to spend quite a bit of time putting this thing in the fire. You're going to spend quite a bit of time trying to laminate woods together that were not born together. But when you do, this is beautiful. So much variety, so much differentiation in the woods, the grains, the colors, and it becomes something so, so beautiful. Listen, today I understand things are different. I understand that. But also understand that God loves you and he's well pleased with you, and you are his child. That is what you are. And so today, if you didn't have a good earthly father, I'm so sorry. But it's time for you to accept your heavenly father's love. It's time for you to accept his affirmation of you. You are my son, and I am well pleased with you. It's time for you to become that man of God, that woman of God. It's time for us to begin to look around at our family and say, Lord, look what a mess. No, no, look what an opportunity because my children are my heritage. You may go, but, but you know what? I've got a blended family. Hey, listen, if you say I do, they're yours. I do everything. I do kids. I do everything. Yeah, they're yours. And you spend the time with them and you train them up and you draw them close to God. You draw them close to God. They're not going to want it. Listen, there were times we had devotions every morning, no matter what. And I got to tell you, some mornings it was real quick. Okay, John 3, 16. For God's love the world that gave me the only begotten Son, who so believes him not perish but have everlasting life. Amen, go. There were some mornings like that. You know why? Because life is just that way at times. But most mornings, we sat them down. We, we shared the word of God. Did they pay attention? Nope. Did I care? Nope. Did they fuss? Yep. Did I care? Nope. Did they want to do it? Nope. Did I care? Nope. Because my job, my job is to get them ready 
to be released. Why? Because children are an arrow in the hand of a warrior. And men today, we are warriors. That is who God has made us to be, warriors. We are the ones who conquer. We do not let our kids conquer us. We conquer our kids. We tell our kids what place they have in the home. And we place them there. And we let them understand that when we draw them back and we release them, we've placed something in their life. Most of it, hours and hours and hours. I can sit up here and tell you all kinds of stuff. I don't have the time. But mom wasn't the only one who spent hours sitting up at night praying and wait, helping, trying, trying. I heard a cute story the other day. A friends of ours, they had a daughter and she was sick. Oh, she was so sick. And, and all night the mom had been sitting beside her bed with her hand on her all night going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Well, about 5 o'clock the next morning, the little girl, she looks at her mom and she goes, I want daddy. She said, why, honey? She said, because your Jesus ain't making me feel no better. I need daddy to pray. <laughs> yeah. There's a place God has put men in. And we have authority. And we need to stand in that authority. It's a privilege. Would all of you stand with me today?